You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Fox Sports 1360. Presented by the Holy Grail Bank, Budweiser, and UDF. I'm Tommy Thrall, joined by Tom Brenneman today. And, Tom, how are we holding up this week? Holding up, my man. How about you? Hey, that's that same thing. Just uh, that's all we can do is hold up and uh, read as much as we can and uh, hang out. What are, you, what are you doing? I didn't ask you this uh, a couple of weeks ago. You are somebody that takes a great deal of pride in their physical fitness. Uh, what are you doing? To stay yeah, out sure I do. Yeah, sure I do. <laughs> uh, our upcoming guest knows better than that, Eric Davis. No, I mean, you know, just trying to like, like everybody else, you know, you're trying to feed it down. Eric Davis is getting ready to turn 57. I'm going to turn 57 later in the year. He's got me by a couple of months. I wish I looked like he does. But, uh, you know, just like you and, and all of us, just trying to, to, to try to stay healthy and, and, and hope and pray those around you stay healthy. So we got everybody in the Brenneman house trying to, trying to, uh, to, to, to to stay physically active during an otherwise pretty uh, tough time for everybody. Yeah, no no question about that. Glad to hear things are going well and uh, everybody's staying healthy. And you talked about it. We are joined today by Red Special Assistant, Player Performance, and, of course, Red's Hall of Famer, Eric Davis. And we don't need to ask what kind of shape you're in. I mean, you look just like you did when you last stepped on the field to play baseball, Eric. Oh, well, that's kind. I appreciate the comments. Uh, but I'm a long way from that. I'm up to about 205 pounds. When I first came <laughs> to Cincinnati, I was 165 pounds. So y'all know I put on a little bit. But uh, it, it's, uh, it, it's way less expensive to stay in shape than it is to get fat. There is no doubt about that. You know that. what? You found a way to do it, Eric. I, I really don't know how you do it because, you know, you, you're one of those guys, and then Tommy knows because he was down there. You're one of those guys that, that not only has a title with the Reds, I mean, you're down there working with guys every single day. So I, I would imagine there's a part of you, Eric, that's saying, you know, well, when the summer months come around or maybe the early winter months come around, that you're like, man, I, I better be in shape because I'm going to be running around out there, which you do a lot of in Arizona. Well, absolutely correct. And, and, uh, and see, the most important thing about that time is, is, is people always ask me, how do I stay in shape? And it's real easy. I don't get out of shape. And, and so when you don't get out of shape, it's not very difficult to stay in shape because you're constantly moving. You don't really let your body change internally over a long period of time by sitting around for two or three years and putting on 100 pounds and then trying to fight that yeah. uh, strong strong type of metabolism from five years to try to get back. So it's, it was always easier for me uh, to just stay active. I've always been active. I'm going to continue to be active. And that's how it's... It, it, it really allows me to do the things that I do as far as I'm on the field with the organization and the players. You know, Eric, today is – And I will be 58, so we're not that close. I will be 58 in May, so. Oh, I thought you were going to be 57. All right, well, my bad. I thought you were going to be 57. Yeah, you, you're, you're about a year and a half, and you got me in. And you do look I, older I, than me in a lot of ways. I, I still be playing if I was 57, huh? <laughs> <laughs> You know, Eric, today is Jackie Robinson Day. And, you know, the further and further I think we individually and collectively as a society get, a, get away from um, his life 
and what he meant, you know, baseball, yeah, but but far more importantly to society and society at large. And, and, and you grew up in Los Angeles. As a kid in Los Angeles, and I think you probably would have been, what, around 10 or 11 when he passed away in 72, yeah. then, something like that. I mean, yeah. how much do you remember about him? And because you were an L.A. kid, were you maybe exposed to a lot more of the Jackie Robinson story than maybe some kids that grew up in different parts of the country? Well, I remember um, more as I got older and I kept reflecting. But at that particular time, uh, the only thing we had was Vince Scully on the radio. So you didn't hear as much or you couldn't visualize it. You heard more than you saw. Right. Uh, Back then, very few times you was able to put the face to the plate all the time uh, because sometimes you didn't have cable, you didn't have all the reflections of the games back then. If you was a kid, you had to go to bed before the sports channel came mm-hmm. on at nighttime. So as I matured and I got older, I started to see more of the highlights of, of, of Jackie as well as a lot of the other black players at that particular time. And so that's what really resonated with us in the inner city was trying to mimic all the things that we was able to see then. And the most prominent thing that I ever remember was the slide he did when he stole home plate. Yep. Uh, because we all played pickle and you tried to perfect that fadeaway slide. And, and so those are kind of the things that I was memorizing about what I saw from Jackie, how hard he played, how hard he went into the base, uh, how dynamic of an attitude he had about the game. And then as I got older, then you started to see more and more players come in to uh, play, and then you started to migrate to all of those players. But had it not been for Jackie, none of it would have came to fruition. You know, your, your dad, Jimmy, and, and your mom, Curly, were very active in your life, uh, your day-to-day life, your academics, going to school, doing the right things, sports, et cetera. Was your dad a big Jackie Robinson guy? Do you ever remember him sharing much of that with you? He shared, uh, because he grew up in Natchez, Mississippi. I was born in Los Angeles, so my family migrated from Mississippi. So back then in those trials where you couldn't do a lot and you couldn't speak to white women and you couldn't do a lot of things. So as a youngster in Los Angeles, I had privilege to that because we used to always take a vacation back to Mississippi every year. And so you should talk about the Emmett Tills and all the different things that transpired in, in those particular areas. But sports was a way of kind of diluting a lot of the thinking about how it was because of Jackie and just of how aggressive he played. Uh, and the, actually, my father had some of the semi-proceed. He had the black all-leather Rydell spikes that had the wood on the bottom of them. <laughs> I can remember trying them on as I was a kid. And just the noise of walking in the kitchen was pissed my mother off tremendously. I probably got a whooping twice from walking on the metal spikes in her living room. But just the energy of the metal spikes and walking on the concrete and all those kinds of things, that resonated with me as a kid about wanting to put those spikes on. So, so Jackie had a big influence on just, not, not just playing, but just everything about the game which really fortified my fuel to want to get out there and continuously play. Tommy? Were there were there aspects of your game, and I know you touched on some of the things that really stood out to you, but were there things that you really took once you became a, a professional, a good professional, that you really think back on it and, and you kind of, 
mimicked after what, what Jackie Robinson did? I know you, you touched on that to some extent, but what were some of the things that you really, uh, I guess a little bit more specifically, that, that you patterned your game after? Just my demeanor. Um, because if you're talking, you know how I play. I kind of was on that even keel. I, I never got high. I never got low. I was always trying to maintain a sense of, of respectability and, and confidence throughout whatever situation I was put in. And uh, at being in Cincinnati, I was put in some awkward situations over the course of my career and stuff with Marge and how certain things were being called in the N-word and going through certain trials and tribulations. So if you can remember, my temperament was always the same. And knowing how Jackie's temperament was trying to manifest itself through all the things that he knew was happening and some of the things that he didn't know that was happening, uh, he couldn't control. So his mannerisms to me was huge on, on how he was able to con continuously go forward and deal with some of the trials and tribulations at the, at the utmost uh, that what he had to go through. Uh, that's just what I took. Uh, Talent-wise, everybody varies from different talents and things like that, and you know how hard he played and the way he and he was aggressive. But just his mannerisms on how he went about his business and, and how society was treating him and how he was able to stay strong, not just for him but for generations and generations to come, is what I really took pride in. You know, well, you, know, that's you, right. you, know you, you can never compare, and probably if we've got to go to a commercial break, you let me know and jump in and say when we yeah, have go to ahead. do it. You know, Eric, I – I was around, and I've always said when people have asked me about my favorite Reds of all time, and, and you know, and I, I had a chance to grow up a guy, you know, every kid's dream to know guys like Joe Morgan and Pete Rose and Johnny Bench and Tony Perez and David Concepcion on a first-name basis when you're 10, 11 years old. But when you're trying to make your way in the world, and I think you nicknamed me when I was 22, Alex Keaton, if I remember right, from the old TV show, the Michael J. Mm -hmm. Fox, way by the way I dressed. But yep. you know, I say this with the utmost sincerity is that when people ask me, you are like my all-time favorite red for a number of different reasons, not only professionally what you meant to me, because you really got me in that clubhouse when I had a chance to start announcing games as a very, very young man. Uh, you and I roughly the same age, and, and were it not for your sort of stewardship through that clubhouse, I would have never been able to do my job and, and try to move forward. So I'm forever indebted. But, but I also remember – you know, you're talking about the way you carried yourself. And you had such incredible pressure as a player because the second you come into the big leagues, you're 21 years old, and everybody's already saying you're going to be the next fill-in-the-blank. I mean, we're talking about guys like Willie Mays and Hank Aaron and people like this. Yeah. And the way you continue to carry yourself w w was just amazing. I mean, did that come from, from your mom and dad? Did it come from – your experience growing up in the inner city, did it come from playing minor league baseball in towns like Billings and, and some of those, or a combination of all of the above? Thanks for the compliment, Tom. I appreciate that. But it, it, it came from everything. Um, knowing what was at stake, uh, knowing how my parents had raised me, knowing that, that I couldn't come home because of something outside of not being good enough. Uh, if I would have got released for not being good enough, I could have dealt with that, and my parents could have dealt with that. But for me to get sent home for something outside of that was unacceptable. So it was about me maintaining a sense of responsibility and growing up at 18 years old 
having a dream, having an opportunity that not too many blacks got at that particular time. Uh, knowing how difficult it was coming from California uh, and being in cities that I'd never dreamed of going to. I started in Eugene, Oregon. I went to Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I was in Waterbury, Connecticut. I, I didn't know what those places was on the map. And when I got there, I didn't see a lot of people who looked like me outside of the three guys that was on my team. So knowing what was at stake and, and how difficult it was, I, I would always reflect back on what would Jackie do and, and, and knowing how he dealt with the racism, because we dealt with racism, not to that sure, level, sure, but, but the racism of, of, of being called an N-word, that's real. Uh, some people now in 2020 might not believe that it exists, but in 1980, it did. And I wouldn't think that it would exist in 1980, but it did. And to know and how to deal with that, my parents then prepared me as much as they could uh, on how to turn the other cheek, how to stay focused, how to be about what your calling was about, and not letting anybody step in and do anything that was going to be detrimental to you having an opportunity to success. So all of the things that you mentioned had a had a huge presence in that. Now, when you get to minor league baseball, you got two kind of managers. You have one that's gonna like you, and you're gonna have one that's gonna hate your guts. Uh, fortunate enough for me, I had one of the best best minor league managers, Greg Riddock, who was in our system for a long time, yeah. ended up being a manager for San Diego Padres, and and his demeanor was that way. And, and his culture on how he felt when we were all one. And he treated us out that way. And it's ironic because he ended up coming to my wedding and me and him still speak today. But just that common influence, like my father was leaving LA, I was blessed to run right into him. I don't know how it would have changed had I ran into somebody different. Uh, because we all know you had some kind of guys that was the old guys from the 50s and the 60s that was in the minor league at that particular time where if they didn't like you, you didn't get a chance. So, so knowing all of that and, and then having a, a, a great guy like Greg Riddock, all of that led to me having an opportunity to maintain the things that I was sent there to do. So it's a combination of a lot of things that happen. It's not just one thing. Incredible stuff with Eric Davis joining us on the Reds Hot Stove League. We'll continue. Eric, you got time to stick around, right? A little bit longer? Yes. All right, we're going to continue with Eric Davis when we come back. This is the Reds Hot Stove League presented by the Holy Grail Bank, Budweiser, and UDF on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove League. As always, presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. Become a member of the Reds Hall of Fame and Museum presented by Densmore and receive an exclusive Marty Brenneman bobblehead. Sign up at RedsMuseum.org. Quantities are limited and available with all levels of membership. Note the Reds Hall of Fame and Museum is currently closed through May 12th. I'm Tommy Thrall and uh, joined today by Tom Brenneman. And Eric Davis is our guest today on the hot stove. You know, you look back, Tommy, and I, I was there to watch it firsthand. You know, Eric Davis, first player in the history of baseball, hit three grand slams in a month. He becomes the first player in the history of baseball to hit 30 home runs and steal 50 or more bases in the same season over a five-year span. And much is made. There was for a while there. You don't see him much anymore because nobody's running. Over a five-year span there, Eric Davis averaged 30 home runs and over 40 stolen bases a year. 
Eric, I, I could sit and, and talk to you and, and ask you questions for the next four and a half hours. And one of these days, I'm going to do that on some podcast or something because I, I have just found you, and I've already said it before, so I don't need to toot your horn anymore. I just I think right. you're just such a fascinating dude on so many levels. But, you know, when, when, when you look back on your time with the Reds and you had two go-rounds with the Reds, you come back, you know, and, and, and after being injured, you have an incredible year. You beat the colon cancer. You win a World Series. You hit the home run off Dave Stewart in game one, your first at bat, really setting the tone for that series. You lacerate your kidney in game four, and, and you go through your whole career with a few other teams. But when, when you look back, if there is one moment in time where you say, you know, I, I carry this to my grave into heaven above. This is just the one moment in time that I'll always remember for my career. Is that possible you can do that? Oh, it, it, it would be hard to pinpoint one thing, uh, Tom, honestly. But just the fact that, that I was able to witness uh, as a young kid, what would help me out tremendous with pressure was – to have an up-close view of Pete Rose going after the hit record. Yep. It was so, it was so exciting, and, and I even get goosebumps when I talk about it, just from the electricity. And I played in all-star games and playoffs and World Series and things like that. Riverfront Stadium was not loud when I hit my home run. It was loud. <laughs> Pete Rose got the base hit. Uh, and to watch how, how, how the game and watch the fanfare and to be a part of something that historic uh, will always resonate with me. We have home, uh, you know, home runs and games and World Series and things of that nature. But the significance of, of that shape in the city of Cincinnati, uh, it, yeah, it was a big deal when he came back and then uh, to seeing how difficult it was, and then also watching almost do it the night before, two nights before when we was in Wrigley Field, and everybody panicking when he hit the line drive off of Lee Smith's back. Right. Uh, <laughs> how close it was to being broke on the road, and how Marge would have blew a top. But just the excitement behind all that uh, probably has to take the forefront of everything that I've accomplished in that city. All right, my Eric, man. Certainly we're appreciate you it. We want to thank you for the time so much, Eric. You're the best, man. We'll catch up soon. Yeah, anytime. I appreciate is, you guys. You guys stay safe, man. You too. Thank you. You too. Reds Hall of Famer Eric Davis. We're back with Trevor Bauer. This is the Reds Hot Stove League on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove League presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. We'll bring Tom Brenneman back a little bit later on. But right now we are pleased to be joined by Trevor Bauer, Reds pitcher, who is uh, hanging out. You're out in California right now, aren't you? I'm actually still in Arizona. Arizona. Uh, I never left once. All right. Yeah, never left once season got postponed, so still out here in Arizona. Well, well, how are you passing the time right now? I know everybody seems to be finding different ways to settle into a routine, um, but but uh, how are you still kind of keeping sharp, keeping fresh? Or are you just relaxing? What's what's the routine like for you right now? <laughs> I'm back in off-season mode uh, <laughs> in a way, which is really a lot busier than – on, uh, in season mode, um, I run three companies. I work out. Um, I have my day scheduled down to like the 15 minute mark. Uh, sleep, nutrition, uh, personal. I have to schedule in personal time where I'll just work all day and won't ever take any time to relax. So, you know, like an hour, hour and a half a day of personal time. 
Um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of business stuff, organization, uh, developing procedures and leading people and strategy and all that. Baseball people are typically pretty regimented as it is. I think you take that to a whole nother level. I mean, it, it, <laughs> I would guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that there's anybody out there that that plans a a day quite like you do. Um, well, th- you talked about your companies, and, and you've got a media company that that you run. Uh, tell us about that. I, I, you and I have talked about various different topics. I don't think we've ever got into this a whole lot. W- what is the media company? How did you get this started, and and what all does it consist of? Yeah. So. Uh, Momentum is a media company looking to uh, connect fans and players on a human level. Um, He made a comment in response to a question about promoting the game and and advertising and marketing to players. And he made a comment about Mike Trout saying that, you know, Mike has to want to engage and market himself. I can't market someone who doesn't want to be marketed. And that comment, you know, didn't really sit well with me because I think there's a lot of ways you can uh, market players and get creative with it without, you know, kind of pinning the problem on one of the game's best players. Um, and so uh, my friend, my good friend, longtime friend, Tyke, uh, had left Driveline to go do freelance work, and we just decided that um, it was time to start something to, to help promote the players and connect them with the fans because we really think that that's what the fans want and that's really how the players want they, uh, to be marketed. They want to just be themselves and have that be interesting and, and connect with fans that way. There's a missing generation of baseball fans because baseball hasn't put baseball content on social media or in front of the young fans. And if you look at what the NBA is doing, um, they embrace pop culture and young culture and music and graffiti art, and like all the, the young, cool stuff. And then they have this huge boom in fandom and, uh, baseball has all those same personalities and the same interests in the clubhouse. It's just they haven't been uh, promoted or, or shown. So that's really what we're looking to do, um, connect fans and, and players on a, on a more human level and, and create that interest in the person that's playing the game. Not necessarily the game. Uh, that's not our area. But we want to create interest in the people that are playing it. It's really fascinating because I think, you know, it, from a broadcast perspective, I, I think that's something that, it is is unique in that we have access to you guys to be able to showcase on the air who you guys are as people as opposed to just baseball players. And I think it's it, it's even a step further from uh, somebody in your situation because as a peer to other athletes, you're able to get even more out of these guys than, than maybe those of us that, that cover the team on a regular basis might be able to do that. Do you find that it, it, it's, it's pretty easy to get stuff out of guys because, and, and maybe it helps that, that you play as well? You know, it's a lot easier. I wouldn't say it's easy. The, um, there's this culture in baseball that's, um, I guess, uh, old school, I would call it, in the sense that, you know, you get slapped on the wrist every time you try to promote yourself. Uh, either by teammates or veterans or media uh, associated with the team or talk show hosts end up grabbing something you said and making fun of it or whatnot. So there's this very kind of suppressive culture that goes on anytime people try to do media. And because of that, a lot of the personalities uh, just kind of get beaten out of players over the, you know, from the time they step into pro ball through their time they actually make it to the big leagues and um, have a little bit of notoriety from their on-play achievement or their on-field achievements. Um, so it, it, it's hard 
to convince some guys to do it because like, ah, you know, I don't know much about that. I don't really think it's my thing. And the messaging is always just, it's, it's not a thing. You just, just be yourself. That's all that. And so it, it was really interesting in filming uh, this season of Bauer Bites, uh, one of our shows for Momentum. Guys, the first like 30 minutes of the show would be kind of guarded. And then when the food showed up and we started to eat and everyone just kind of relaxed and got back into a, a normal you know, what I would consider normal for, from, you know, knowing the, knowing the guys that were on the show, uh, because it, it was in a setting that was normal. You know, you're used to going out to dinner with guys and just, you know, shooting the breeze and having a good time. Uh, so putting players in those situations where it's something that they just normally do and they can kind of forget that the camera's there and just be themselves. That's really what the fans want to see anyway. It's just the true authentic, wh- who the player is. And so we try to design all our stuff to be that way. You mentioned Bauer Bites. You have some other content coming up that, that folks can look for. And where can folks find this stuff if, if fans are interested? Well, how do they how do they dig it up? Yeah, you can find it on all of my socials, uh, links to it. Um, I'm at Bauer Outage on all socials. You can also find us on the company socials, uh, watch-momentum, watch-underscore-momentum, I should say, um, on Instagram, uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, um, all over the place. So, uh, one of those two places. And, yeah, uh, we have Power Bites coming out soon. Um, we have a couple other things that we've filmed that we're in the process of editing. Um, I don't want to go too much in depth on those and, and spoil the surprise, but uh, we got three or four things coming out, uh, different formats that we're working on right now. Uh, it's gotten a little bit difficult, obviously, trying to respect the, the quarantine um, recommendations. and um, You know, players are with their families and whatnot, so... It's a little bit. We've had to get a little bit creative, but uh, we think we have some stuff that we think is really exciting and really interesting and intriguing uh, that'll be out very soon. Well, Trevor, uh, good stuff. Uh, more to get to with you. Want to want to keep you around for another segment because there's there's a lot of stuff to get to and talk about. So so more with Trevor Bauer coming up. This is the Reds Hot Stove League presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF on the Reds Radio Network. Show your Reds pride all across the Buckeye State with a specialty Cincinnati Reds license plate. Ohio residents can purchase a license plate featuring the new Reds on Radio logo. Each purchase represents a tax-deductible donation of approximately $25 to the Reds Community Fund. Plates can be ordered at any deputy registrar's office or online at oplates.com. That's oplates.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Zodiac, a primary care physician with St. Elizabeth. A lot of people have questions about their health care right now, and St. Elizabeth is making it easier than ever to get answers with our new virtual video visits. You can call your primary care office and request a video visit for non-urgent questions. At your scheduled appointment time, log into MyChart and talk to your doctor right from your home. Video visits are covered by many insurance plans and Medicare. Wherever you are, St. Elizabeth is right here. Congratulations, you found that special someone to spend the rest of your life with. You two will have lots of new adventures and some new responsibilities. So now's a good time to think about life insurance to help protect your new family. At Western and Southern Life, we translate what's complicated to help make life insurance simple. It's easy to get started. Connect with one of our financial representatives today at westernsouthern.com life. Compensated endorser, Western and Southern Life Insurance Company, Cincinnati, Ohio. Whenever you're feeling good and hungry, 
skyline time gather together with friends and family it's skyline time wholesome hearty food and a taste that's so divine together at last it's skyline time discounts rebates tax credits college and military assistance all why it pays to switch to kelsey chevrolet find new roads at kelseychev.com we are kelsey chevrolet from our family to yours Right here in our community, more than 600 people are waiting for life-saving kidney, liver, lung, and heart transplants. Registering to be a donor can be life-saving and life-changing. Say yes to organ, eye, and tissue donation. Visit lifepassiton.org today. When you finally, gingerly step out of your isolation, go to your favorite Kroger convenience store pony keg and get up close and personal with a bag of any of the delicious Grippo products. Consider mixing it up with chips, pretzels, barbecue cheese mix, even the amazing Grippo jerky. Since it might be a while, why not a big party box of Grippos? You never know who might stop by. Grippos is the fun food company. RNL Carriers is your flexible and dependable LTL transportation provider. With LTL service across the U.S., Canada, and Mexico. And options for guaranteed expedited liftgate and final mile. RNL is the solution for all your LTL shipping needs. Visit RLC.com to learn more. Discounts, rebates, tax credits, college and military assistance. All why it pays to switch to Kelsey Chevrolet. Find new roads at KelseyChev.com. We are Kelsey Chevrolet from our Welcome back into the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by the Holy Grail Banks, Budweiser, and UDF. Today marks the anniversary of Jackie Robinson's historic Major League debut. Robinson's courage broke baseball's color barrier and blazed a trail for America. Join baseball in commemorating Jackie Robinson Day. Go to MLB.com slash 42 to learn more. We continue our chat with uh, Trevor Bauer. And Trevor, uh, we didn't get into this last segment, but I, w I really want to dive into this because I think... Um, this is something that, that really stood out to me uh, when you announced it, and that was that you were trying to raise money, and, and you did so initially through the, a wiffle ball game that you put together right after spring training was suspended um, and postponed. It, it, you, you put together this wiffle ball game. The genesis behind the whole thing was to raise money, and you wanted that money to go towards uh, employees, game day employees uh, at ballparks that, that – you know, are missing out on that income that they would normally have this time of year. That is really, uh, it, it seems like to me that was really forward thinking of you, uh, shows your giving nature, and uh, just how did that How did that come to be? How did you come up with that? Yeah, so the whistleball whistle game idea came about because David Carpenter had put out a tweet saying, hey, you think we could round some guys up and play a sandlot type game? And so we're like, oh, that sounds really fun. Um, we started planning it, and um, faced some, some pushback from uh, the league office and the commissioner and had to change the plans a little bit, this, that, and the other. So in going through this whole process, it was very clear that, you know, we didn't want to have fans there because uh, of the guidelines from the CDC and social distancing and all that. Um, so we were thinking about what games would be like without fans. And then the natural thought was then, oh, man, well, there's a lot of people that help make the fan experience great that you know when my parents go to a game that you have 
people that you know the usher is showing them where their seats are if they're if it's a new ballpark you have you know the people at the concession stands you have the people that run parking and that run security and they don't really get the recognition they deserve because it's one of those jobs where uh, you only really notice that they're there if something goes wrong and they take blame but think of all the events and all the people that come through a stadium and how seamless that process is and how enjoyable it is for the fans to go to a game, you know, the people that clean it to make sure that it's clean for you when you sit down in your seats, it's not uh, sticky and dirty from the night before. So as we were planning and going through all the different things that we had to be, be sure of um, with the wiffle ball game, uh, those, those people, the stadium workers were kind of front of our minds and decided to make that uh, kind of link the two together and use the wiffle ball uh, game that we knew would be a big platform to, uh, bring attention um, and recognition to the stadium staff and hopefully you know raise some money to help them out financially as well. well that's incredible and the Reds uh, you know have, have joined in and uh, your your donation with what the money you guys raised in addition to the Reds it's a million dollars going to Great American Ballpark uh, workers and uh, it's really just a tremendous cause and, and I, I really think you deserve a lot of credit for uh, the, the thought of that, I mean, it is really, it's been impressive to see not just what you've done, but what so many players have done to help out people that are really struggling during this time. Uh, I mean, this is, this is unprecedented. I, it's, it's, you know, I think it affects everybody in a different way, but it certainly does seem to be something that is affecting everybody. And I'm sure there's people that you know that, that are dealing with hardships that are created by all of this. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I think everybody knows people either directly or indirectly that are, you know, have been really affected. Um, you know, I think there's, you know, the majority of the people are, are fortunate to only have been affected financially. Obviously, there's um, some people that have lost their lives and or lost family members and, and are dealing with that. So uh, thoughts and prayers go out to, to those uh, people who have had to deal with that. Um, but it's just a it's a it's an odd time it's a completely unprecedented like you said there's i don't think we've ever really you know faced something like this as a country or uh, at least obviously in my lifetime so uh it's just i i guess my hope with it all would be that people come together and um, experience a sense of community and try to get through something together and i think the world could learn a lot from you know, the power of when you get everybody pulling for one cause in, in one direction. I think that's something that, that kind of showcases your personality a little bit, doesn't it? I mean, the giving nature of, of who you are, this is not the first time you've, you've done charitable work. In fact, you've done a lot of it uh, over your career. You, you had a, a strikeout program that you set up last year. Uh, what, are there other things that you, that you have in mind that you'd like to do moving forward as, as your career continues to advance? Yeah, there's a lot of things that I have in mind. You know, one of the causes that's really kind of close to my heart is uh, people that are involved in academic and athletic. Um, some, a lot of times those, those kids have trouble fitting in because they don't, you know, they're, they're looked at in the athletic group as nerds and they're looked at in the academic group as jocks. And um, that, was, that was definitely a struggle that I had. Uh, but I think that it's, important that you you know can educate and support young people and teach them that you know it's okay to be intelligent and to be a nerd and to enjoy academics and also you know play sports and be good at sports and enjoy sports um so 
that was one of the that's one of the main causes that I'm uh, passionate about working towards. And there's a lot that goes into it. There's the education. There's you know the financial uh, resources to be able to support those after-school programs and those clubs that a lot of times you know don't get a lot of attention or funding. Um, robotics clubs, uh, teaching uh, people to code from a young age, um, computer science, stuff like that. So that was uh, that was what I was planning on supporting this year with the strikeout campaign. Obviously, that's kind of put on hold. So we're going to have to kind of rework our plans and figure out how we can how we can help once we know more about when the season's going to come back. And uh, but that's that's the main that's one of the causes that I'm just super passionate about is education for for young people and support for them in their after school endeavors. Outstanding. Trevor Bowers, our guest on the Reds Hot Stove League. I, I want to go back to a conversation you had this spring um y you know you've been very outspoken about your feelings regarding various aspects of the game whether it be rule changes that have been made um proposed changes perhaps to the game and and you, you've you've made your feelings known and as a result you ended up with a conversation with the commissioner how did that conversation go and what was what was that like it was um <laughs> it was refreshing uh uh, my main hope for the conversation was that, that he would just be kind of unguarded and just level with me and explain certain things, just be honest, you know? And I, I do, I feel, I feel like he was that. I feel like it was a, a productive conversation. Um, I don't want to get too much into the details of exactly what was talked about because we both agreed that that was supposed to, you know, stay private and probably better to stay private. But um, it was a productive conversation. I understand a lot more about you know what he's dealing with and where he's coming from. Hopefully, he understands more about where I'm coming from and the issues that I have with uh, certain certain things. And it was good. I think it was a, a productive conversation. I don't know if anything's going to change or not. I hope so. But uh, at least we understand where each other's coming from. That is Trevor Bauer, Reds pitcher, joining us. And uh, I'm sure once we get back to baseball, and uh, hopefully, like I said, that'll be sometime soon. We'll talk baseball with uh, Trevor Bauer, but certainly a guy that finds a way to stay busy. Tom and I will be back to wrap up the show. This is the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by the Holy Grail Banks Budweiser and UDF on the Reds Radio Network. Welcome back to the Reds Hot Stove League, presented by the Holy Grail Banks Budweiser and UDF. Wrapping things up, Tom, fun show. Got to hear from Trevor Bauer. And, boy, Eric Davis, you talked about it during the interview. You could sit and talk with that guy and talk baseball with him uh, all day long. Just great stuff out of him, as always. No doubt about it, Tommy, and, uh, and great stuff with Trevor Bauer, and uh, certainly our, our best and thoughts and prayers to everybody out there. Hang in there. Hopefully we're going to get back to normalcy or what some sense of it sometime soon, buddy. No question. I second that wholeheartedly. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us. Big thanks to the broadcast sheriff, Dave Keaton, back in our network studios. Thanks for listening. For Tom Brenneman, our guests, Eric Davis and Trevor Bauer, this is Tommy Thrall. We'll catch you next week on the Reds Hot Stove League. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.